This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gudikin sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. The Knicks are up 67-58 on the Cavs. Eight minutes to go in the third. Knicks five-and-a-half-point favorite. Still live total. Down slightly, 212-and-a-half. The Rangers are all over Arizona right now. It's 5 nothing at the top of the third. Rangers have runners on first and second. It's The dream is going to be dying, guys. It's, it's over for Arizona. Yeah, the team that started so hot. Looks like they're gonna win the whole thing. Plenty, of, plenty of baseball. No, no, there's not. It's over. There? It's plenty done. Ball. It's plenty done. Ball. It's done. Whatever. I didn't actually bet them tonight, but I really wanted to see that story. At least I was kind of rooting for this team. So it is what it is. All right, we bring on Sam Vecini. The Athletic covers the NBA, and uh, I, I guess it's it's pretty. It would be dumb of me not to mention the biggest story in the NBA today, and that would be James Harden. Well, I guess it's today. It's yeah, it was early this morning. God, I don't know. At this point, it just feels like it's been the longest day ever when it comes to this thing, which I'm sure for you as well, especially considering that you're in Australia right now. Uh, just let's go big reaction first to where we are Sixers, where we are Clippers right now, because uh, to me, I feel like everybody has maybe a slightly different take on you know what the Clippers gave back, what the future is for the Sixers, what the future is for the Clippers. So where are you on the overall big picture from what you've now seen with this? Hey, guys. Yeah, I would say that the big picture is the Clippers are trying to win a title right now, and James Harden represents a real way for them to get better. This is a team that needs real playmaking, and it needs a stronger point guard, in my opinion, who can be more of a shot creator for himself. So what James Harden is going to bring to the table is the ability to create easier offense, especially in the moments where – one of Kawhi Leonard or Paul George isn't on the court. So Kawhi and Paul George, obviously, throughout the course of their run with the Clippers, have missed a lot of time. And I think that the biggest thing that going out and getting James Harden does is it minimizes how disastrous it is for the Clippers offensively when one of those those two guys misses games, right? So if you now have James Harden who can come in and be whatever you think of James Harden in the playoffs, that's fine. You know, he has more than earned any skepticism that people have for him in playoff settings. It's a guy that can come in and be a 20-point, 10-assist guy. We just saw him do it last year in Philadelphia and be a high-level playmaker and distributor who lifts their offense in the moments where Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are out of the lineup. And hopefully getting James Harden allows you to – keep them out of the lineup a little bit more often and hopefully get them to the playoffs healthy and at their best uh, peak physical condition. One of the reasons that this trade almost didn't get done, Sam, is because the Clippers were just not willing to let go of Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann, not exactly like the youngest dude. I think he's 27. Uh, from, From your vantage point, what do they see in him, Terrence Mann, that kept him out of that Harden trade? Yeah, so I've always really liked Terrence, even going back to Florida State. And I think what they see in him is a guy that can be a genuine dribble-pass shoot player who's a well-rounded, 
fifth option on a court around stars, right? And those guys at $10 million, which is right around what Terrence Mann makes for both this year and next year, those guys are pretty hard to find. They're a little bit harder than what people think. Now, like, did I think it was, like, somewhat ridiculous on its face that Terrence Mann was seemingly the piece that was holding up a James Harden deal? Yeah, I do. I think that at the end of the day, I probably would have tried to do it the way that they ended up doing it, where it seems like the Thunder, you know, gave up one of those picks back to the Clippers. The Clippers gave them back, like, a pick swap kind of thing uh, in order to facilitate this deal. I think that that makes more sense than giving up Terrence Mann, given that Terrence Mann is a guy that has proven in the playoffs that he can help you. Uh, But look, I I understand that on its face, when you just look at it from a 50,000-foot view, it it looks pretty stupid. I get it. (laughs) If if Daryl Morey was the one doing this deal because it looks like you know, ownership was who was involved, Josh Harris and, and Steve Ballmer getting on the phone. Does this deal happen? Is it done today? I think yes, because at the end of the day, what it seemed like Daryl Morey wanted were the two draft picks and to get off of the P.J. Tucker deal in a James Harden deal. So with that with those goals having been accomplished, I think, yes, this still would have gotten done. And I think that, you know, owners are always involved when a deal of James Harden's magnitude happens, right? So I look at it in, I look at it as the Sixers are trying to gear up in order to go get another star, be it this offseason when they have, you know, all of the cap room in the world, even with, being able to retain Tyrese Maxey, or maybe during the season if the right player comes available, right? And because Tyrese Maxey has broken out in the way that he has, he's averaging 30 points a game, he looks phenomenal, I think that they have some time to be a little bit more patient in how they approach going to get a star, but really this was all about the assets for Maury and for the Sixers, I think. So... All they all that mattered here was getting the assets, and they got the assets. Sam, when you look at the Western Conference, obviously this all comes down to matchups once we do get to the playoffs, and we haven't been able to see the Clippers yet with, uh, obviously, James Harden. We haven't even been able to see the Suns fully healthy with you know Durant, Beal, and Booker. But who do you think matches up the best against a team like Denver? Because, I mean, it seems like so easy just to back Denver to repeat as champions, but you watch them. I know it's early on, and they just look as good as they did last year. Who do you think matches up the best out of those three veteran teams, uh, both L.A.'s and then Phoenix? Yeah, I think definitely Denver is, like, the unequivocal favorite right now. If I had to pick one of those teams... You know, I'm intrigued by the Clippers just having an immense amount of wing depth to be able to throw at the Nuggets. Just insofar as they have Zubas as a big body, they can throw at Jokic. They can try and slow him down in some way, shape, or form. And then hopefully you're in a circumstance where Contavious Caldwell-Pope is guarding one of Kawhi or Paul George. And then you can maybe get like a real size advantage there to be able to score. I I honestly, like, I think I'm like grasping a little bit. I think Denver should be the very clear favorite. But if you maybe pick one, I think I would matchup wise, I'm intrigued by the Clippers. We saw the Lakers last year, which 
really like kind of turns me off of that potential matchup. I think the Lakers are still the team I would bet on to be the second best team in the West just because of their defense. And I think that once Austin Reeves maybe gets a little bit of rest, uh, he might be able to come in and be the guy that we saw in the playoffs last year for them. And once their team coalesces and you know all of these guys they brought in from Torian Prince, uh, to Jackson Hayes, to Christian Wood, et cetera, be able to come together. I think that team's going to be really, really good defensively and offensively, along with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So I would probably still take the Clippers just in terms of a matchup, but I, you know, the, the Lakers to me are like the number two team in the West still, personally. Talking to Sam Vecini, BetMGM tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at most improved player odds right now at BetMGM, and Tyrese Maxey is the heavy favorite. Scotty Barnes, Cam Thomas are behind him. Cade Cunningham, I still love him at 10-1. to 1. Are we... Like, we've kind of already, I feel like we've gotten to the point where, and most improved player is kind of weird in terms of how players can win it, the types of players that can win it. Is Tyrese Maxey in a position now where he's obviously going to get even more minutes, more shots, more opportunities with James Harden gone in Philadelphia? Is he somebody that you think still has the potential, the chance to actually win this award? Or has he kind of already shown, like, the guy that like has taken that next big step to win most improved already? Well, I think that his step came this season really like he's averaging 30 a game if he goes out and averages 26 27 a night over the course of the full season i think he's going to win it because the narrative is going to be behind him as the guy that oh they were able to move james harden and set themselves up for the future because tyrese maxi improved so much right uh, i like the Cade cunningham idea i think him at 10 to 1 is a really good idea but honestly like he's probably would have been pretty close to this good last year. It's just that he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Scotty Barnes, I think, has a real chance to be successful. You know, you're right. This award is so strange and bizarre just in terms of the guy that, like, I think I've seen this year who's, like, taken the biggest leap from where he was last year to where he is now. It's probably, like, the Hawks' Jalen Johnson, where he's gone from being – like the ninth man on the team to now he's probably their third or fourth best player in Atlanta. Uh, he has no chance to win this award, I think, because he doesn't have a big enough name. He's not going to put up like the immense number of points that Tyrese Maxey is. But Tyrese Maxey's already averaged 20. It's just that the narrative is going to be behind Tyrese Maxey. So I, I, I get annoyed by the most uh, improved player award mm-hmm. typically. I think it's a little bit frustrating to deal with. Uh, but I think Maxie is probably the guy that will win it just because unless he gets hurt, the narrative is going to be there that he was the guy that they were able to move James Harden uh, and build around. We had you on right before the draft. We were talking to you about the Brandon Miller scoot two and three scenario. I don't know if you're seeing it, but the scoot slander is getting ridiculous. Meanwhile, Brandon Miller looks pretty damn productive off the bench. Uh, in your opinion, why do you think Brandon Miller has been so much more productive early than Scoot? And and like, what is your take on whether we should be killing Scoot this early? Yeah, so I, I think Brandon's in an easier spot right now. Uh, he's not being tasked with running an offense. He's being tasked with uh, being like the secondary guy out there who is creating offense as a shooter and as a floor spacer. Uh, he's done a good job getting out in transition, and I think Brandon has played super well so far. Uh, he played great in the fourth quarter of their opener, and I thought that his first half last night against Brooklyn was quite strong. But it, it's coming waves. 
for Brandon. Like, I didn't think he played super well in the second half last night against Brooklyn, and his first three quarters of his opener were quite poor. So it's going to be hit or miss for all of these rookies. For Scoot so far, I think it's been a lot more of a miss. And the only reason for that, I think, is because he's being tasked with running an NBA team as a teenager. That's really hard. You go back and you look through some of the best guards in the league. Lamella Ball was like a clear negative player. Uh, you know, Darius Garland was like one of the most negative players in the league, uh, value-wise, as a rookie, just because it's really difficult to do this. It's really, really hard. I thought Scoot played super well last night. He had 11 points, seven assists, four rebounds, but more than that, like he defended. I thought he screened super well in moments where he got an opportunity to do that. I think Scoot played really, really well last night, and I think that a big thing for him is just going to be slowing down the over. He looks like overstimulated and like over aggressive right now. Like he's fouling everybody. Like he's averaging like five fouls a game right now. And it just feels like everything's coming at him really quickly. Once that slows down, it's very clear that he has the athletic juice. Like, he's separating. He's getting to his spots. It's just that everything's coming fast. And there's not a, there's not a uh, you know, a replacement for experience, right? So once that experience comes, Scoot's going to be fine. Yeah, everything I've seen so far says it's just, it's just experience for him right now. Sam, we still got about 90 seconds or so here. We're watching the Knicks up 14 on the Cavs right now in the third quarter. Can either one of these teams maybe jump into that third spot in the East behind the very top-heavy uh, Eastern Conference with Milwaukee and Boston, obviously the clear co-favorites right now to win the East? Look, I think those two are definitely going to be your top two at least. Uh, you know, Cleveland, I think, is in a weird spot. Like, they played a lot of the kids in this game against the Knicks, like Imani Bates got, uh, got some run. Like you said, Craig Porter got some run there momentarily. They just need to get healthy as much as anything and get, you know, Jared Allen fully back integrated and, you know, get their guards uh, well-situated for success. Like, once that happens, I feel pretty good about Cleveland being a great regular season team, if only just because they have uh, they have the great defense mixed with the shot creation, plus they have a real floor spacer in Max Struess. I think the Knicks are very very well situated, too, to be a good playoff team. If Tyrese Maxey is this, Philadelphia is well situated, and you know they could end up being the three seed. But I don't think anybody's going to break into that top two, at least personally. Sam Vecini, the athletic host of the Game Theory podcast as well. Really appreciate you giving us the time, man. Yeah, no worries. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Nick's guys. up 74-59 right now. I Tristan Thompson's still in the league. It just blows my it's mind. Nuts. Look at him get out there again. It's just like he's come full circle back to Cleveland. Yes, he has. Hey, when you guys talk most improved player, you make sure to throw out one name and one name only. Josh Giddy. The slob wizard. The slob wizard? <laughs> yeah. That, that is so crazy. It was the craziest thing I'd seen. I even texted John Hollinger, and I was like, that's the most insane thing you've ever said on Twitter. And then, and then later, like maybe sec, six hours later, Josh Giddy said, that's insane. That <laughs> he goes, is an insane. He goes, slob slob wizard wizard is insane. Say, yeah. Yeah. That's my guy, though. <laughs> I love that team. Out of bounds. I've watched I every game. I've watched every Thunder let's game Let's just so not far. call it slob anymore, and let's not <laughs> add wizard to it. That's my boy, though. I think at this point, it sticks. kind of is what it is. It's bet MGM tonight.